So for the past at least five years, we have uh, been closing the doors of the church on the first Sunday in November and opening up our hearts to our communities by being the hands and the feet of Jesus and going out to different places and just doing, uh, you know, whatever we can do to serve and make our, our, our cities better. And uh, no one paid uh, Frank Pearson to say what he said. It was just uh, a kind of an overflow of, of, of his heart and what got it done. Um, so we're getting ready. I want to say all that to, to say we're getting ready to uh, November, the first Sunday of November, we're going we're gonna to do the same thing. And uh, until we get to that place, we will be doing a uh, church-wide small group campaign where our small groups are going to be going through uh, the truth about serving. What does serving do for us as God's people? And what do we do for others as God's people? So I would love for you guys to consider to get in a small group uh, during this campaign. It's three weeks, and it's a short, short campaign. But find a small group, or you can come uh, to the campus on Thursday nights. We have Real Men and uh, Route 66 that, that are here uh, at, the, at the Copper Corridor campus. We do it on Tuesday nights, but that's our midweek connect. So if you guys need a place that you don't have a small group, uh, I, would, I would say uh, come, come during the week over here. But here's another thing. Um, you could do the small group with your families. Amen? You could do a Bible study with your family. If you could do it with your coworkers, maybe on your lunch break for three weeks, you can say, hey, let's do this Bible study. And everything's already prepared for you. So if you go to where it says new here, start here, you'll find the study guides and everything's written out for you that, that we, we drafted. It's going to follow along with my, uh, my sermons on, on Sundays, and, uh, and, and you will be able to, to do that. I think it's going to be really, really good as we prepare ourselves for that first Sunday in November. Now, I got to say one more thing. Uh, next Sunday, uh, a lot of us men are going to be in Alpine for our annual men's retreat. And uh, we're really stoked about that. We have right at 50 men that are signed up. Uh, yeah, so that's really cool. <clears throat> and I want to I say this because tomorrow I'm making a phone call to the, 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 the cabins that we're, we're renting, the, the owners of the cabins. And... Uh, we had two cabins left going into the morning, and then first service, someone came to me and they said, we want to go to the retreat, and so they, they, they reserved that cabin, but there's one more left, so if, you, if you're, um, you know, a, a guy that wants to go on that retreat, uh, we would love for you to be there. Just make sure you talk to someone uh, before you leave so that we can secure your spot, and, uh, and you'll be able to be a part of the, of the retreat. It's going to be incredible. I'll tell you that. It's going to be life-changing, as, uh, as Brian said. Um, so, so make sure you do that. Now, with that, because the men are on the retreat, a lot of the men uh, are working in sound, and they're working in lighting. They're working in a lot of different places. I won't be here, but a dear friend of ours, uh, and I'm talking about the church, uh, Gary Kinneman will be here, Dr. Gary Kinneman. How many of you love Gary? He's just a great, great, great man of God. He's written 12 books. Uh, just uh, had a had a mega church in, in Mesa before there was even mega churches, and just a wonderful, just a wonderful guy that's, that you're gonna love. Um, he will be here next week. But what I've done because we we're not gonna have the the staffing and the the people that serve that we normally have is we're going to combine both services into one service. So next week only. Hear me, second service. Hear me, 10.30 a.m. service. 
Next week only, you will get up earlier. It'll be good for you. And come to the 8.45 a.m. service. Raise your hand if you can do it. Raise your hand if the Lord can make you, you know, just push you to that place. 8.45 a.m., be here. Uh, make sure you get here early because it will probably be really packed. Uh, but it's going to be a great time. So, so uh, rem remind everybody. So what time is the service next week? 8.45. Good, 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 good. Okay, so, so we're going to start the, the series or the campaign on the truth about serving. And there's no greater example than we have than Jesus Christ himself. And so he is our example for serving. And I want us to go to, right away, just, let's just go there, in our Bibles or in your Bible app or on your outline, uh, we will go to John chapter 13, and we are going to find there where Jesus gives an example to his disciples, the 12 that were with him, and who ended up changing our known world. They were the first that brought the good news to, to everybody around them, and now Christianity is what it is today. But Jesus here is, uh, is right about ready to go to the cross. So he's going, uh, you know, to his death. And the last thing that he does before he dies is he teaches them this very important lesson. And I think it's important for us because what would you do if you knew you had a week left to live? Probably the, the things that are the most important. Amen? So this is very important right here. This is what he did with his disciples. He knew that the cross was about to come. Uh, so verse 1, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. Tell your neighbor he's going to die on the cross. Tell your neighbor that. He's going to die on the cross. That's exactly what this verse is all about. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So everything Jesus does is about love. And it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now, that's, that's a pause because there's 12 disciples, and the enemy was at work in one of them. And what it teaches us is that there is a, another entity in the playing field of life. Amen? And so here, here is God in the flesh spending time with his disciples, and the enemy is working on one of them. So what does that tell us about church services? That even when you're here and you're, and you're hearing the word of God, that the enemy wants to come in and take you away from hearing God's word. So, so, so just really hold on to that. It says there in the word. So the, 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 the enemy had already come in and, uh, and entered and prompted Judas to betray Jesus. In verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and that he would return to God. In other words, this was not his home. It was a temporary place. He came to save sinners. So he got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. 
And when he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. Before I go to verse 8, I want to I just put the, the different distinctions between two different people. So Judas Iscariot, the devil's working on him, and the apostle Peter, pride is working on him. No, 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 you're not going to wash my feet, Lord. I'm not going to be like everybody else. You're not, you're not going to wash my feet. And uh, so he's, verse 8, no, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Because, see, Peter understood what the servant that washed feet, what that represented. The servant at that time in Palestine, at that time, the servant that washed the feet of the master's household was the lowest of all servants. And he's thinking, Jesus, you, you can't do this to me. I know who you are. I was with you when you did that miracle and, and all those fish. We caught all those fish. And I said, leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That's what Peter had told Jesus in, early in his ministry. Now he's saying, no, 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 no. You, 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 can't, you can't do this. And then Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. That's important right there, right? Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. I'm, I'm, before I even go into the, the rest of the, of, the con, of the passage and the content, Jesus is telling him, when I wash you, you're going to be completely clean. Amen? So what does that say about uh, Carlinda? What does that say about Jennifer? What does that say about those people, uh, Samantha? Those people that put their faith in Jesus today, they're completely clean. Unless I wash you, Jesus said, you'll be completely clean. Now look, look, look what he goes on to say, right? Uh, and you disciples are clean, but not all of you. Now, which disciple wasn't clean? Judas, right? For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down and asked, don't you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord, kurios is a word right there, it means supreme in authority. Since I, your, your kurios, your Lord and teacher, your rabbi, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you. I, I tell you the truth. Okay, there's, that's, that's where the truth about serving is. Because Jesus never lies. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And how many of you in here want to be a doer, not just a listener? How many of you want to live out the things of God, not just hear the things of God? See, there's, sun, there's Sunday morning attenders, and then there's Sunday morning hearers who put the words into practice. My question is how many of us in here in, in, in our 1030 a.m. service will put things into practice? How many of you will heed the words of, of Jesus and say, Lord, I am going to do what you called me 
to do because there's a battle for you. There's a battle on this side and there's a battle on this side. And, and the one that is leading that battle is the devil himself. And he wants to steal the word of God from you. He wants to steal it and maybe just have you listen but not apply it. And how many of you know that when you apply God's word, it's life-changing? Let me listen for an amen. How many of you know that when you apply the word of God, it's life-changing? Yeah. I thought we had some people in here that have had their life change. I was kind of getting, you know, kind of doubtful, but I said, I'm going to press through. So I want to give you five motivators that will lead us to serve like Jesus. And I'm going to say this to, to, on, on, the, on the front side. If Jesus Christ cannot motivate you to serve, nothing will. And that, that safeguards me because I can't motivate you to serve. I'm not going to coerce you or manipulate you to serve. That's not my whole my goal. My goal is for Jesus to come and for him to work inside of your hearts so that you can take on his words and apply them to your life. Because if you start to serve one another, if you start to serve your communities, if you start to serve your families, you will change for the good. You will change for the good, but your family will be better. Your kids will be better. Your community will be better. I'm of the school of thought that says quit talking about how bad your city or your community is and start doing something about it. That's what Serve Our City is all about. Quit talking about, oh, this town is going to pot, this town. Oh, you should have seen it back when, when the mine was open in San Manuel. It was the greatest place. I just went into the barber the other day. Can you tell? I went to the barber, and there was a lot of talk going on. That, have you noticed that's what happened at the barbers? Everybody's talking, well, you know what, back, back in the day, man. They're getting the islands, they're concreting the islands in Salmon we were talking about that. Well, back in the day, BHP used to do this, and Magma used to do this, and they were talking. It's all this man talk, right? And I said, I, I, I listened, and I said, well, God's not done doing. And God's he's bigger than BHP. He's bigger than Magma. Amen? And so, so we, have to, we have to say, Lord, you motivate us. You move us to do the things that we do. Now, here, here's the first motivator. It, it's God's love that leads us to serve others. In other words, the reason we do the things that we do is because we love God because he loved us first. That's exactly what it says about Jesus. He loved his disciples during his ministry. What does the word ministry mean? To serve. He served them. When you hear a minister, what's a minister? One who serves. You're all ministers. We like to say, you know what, that there is a minister, there is a pastor. No, 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 no. I am the pastor. I, I am the under-shepherd, under-shepherd. He's a great shepherd. I am the under-shepherd, and I, and I serve. But everyone is called to minister. Every child of God is called to serve. And he loved his disciples during his service on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. So our serving is not a duty. 
It's an, ex, it's an extension of the love of God that flows through our actions. So when you do something, like, like husband and wife, when you, when you do something for each other, it's the love of God. My prayer is that it's God's love or, and, and your love coming together and doing something for your spouse. And when you do, if you teach that, if you teach that to your kids, hey, we serve each other because of love, then when you tell them to do something, they're not going to be like, oh, I can't believe i got to clean my room. What are you going to give me? How much of an allowance are you going to give me? Come on. I ain't going to give you nothing. I'm going to teach you something. And it's the love of God that flows through us and we do things for each other, not because we want something back or expect something back, but because there's love that's flowing through our hearts into somebody else. Amen? Serving out of love is a game changer. It changes others and it changes us. The church has never been forced to serve others. That's not the heart of Christ. It's out of love that he served his disciples. It's because of the love of God that he served the world. So, so we should always be looking for, for ways to leverage the, le- the love of God in other people's lives. And people don't care about how much Bible you know until they know how much you really care. And the way that they know that you really care is you do something. That you help them. And someone's taking their groceries and they're having a hard time with their groceries, a neighbor, and, and, and they're carrying their groceries. And you say, you know what? Uh, I, I, Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'm going to give you a hand. You can do it. They're going to tell you, you take your Philippians 4.13 and... Amen. But, it, but if you go and you say, hey, can, let me help you with that. Let me help you. Let me, let me carry that for you. They're gonna, their hearts are going to open because your love is in, in action. And you're doing something that God would do. That's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. It's out of love that we do the things that we do. Here's the second motivator. Jesus never thought that he was above anyone to serve them. How many of you think you're too good to serve? That boss mentality. I may be talking to a CEO. I may be talking to a manager here. A superintendent, an administrator. I know I was talking to them last service. And you, and you, you, you lord over people. You're, you're the boss. You're, you're the one who's in charge. And we can get to the mentality. We can get to the mentality where we think that, you know what? People need to serve us. Americans are notorious for this because we're very wealthy. We're more wealthy than the the 90% of the world's population. We are very wealthy here in this country. And so it's it's led into a, a, a it's led into an attitude of in, in entitlement. Where we think we're entitled. I deserve everything. But the, the thing is we don't teach our, our children that what we have is because of the sacrifice of those that came before us. 
Say amen if you believe that. I want you to, I want you to kind of be with me. And it, it's because people sacrifice their life. Just like right now in Israel, people are sacrificing their life, fighting against something that's trying to come against that. Amen? They, weren't, they didn't pick it. They didn't look for it. It came to them. So we've been praying for Israel. Amen? We've been praying. But we're also praying for those in Palestine that God will change their heart. That's the way I pray. I pray, Lord, change their heart. I mean, do, do a miracle, Lord. Let, let your peace reign in their hearts. I know, I know that it's impossible, but God, you are the God of the impossible. And the Bible tells us in, 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 uh, in uh, uh, Psalms 122, verse 6, pray for the peace in Jerusalem. I'm called to that. Don't ever think you're above anyone else. Jesus knew. Let's go, let's go, to, let's go to the Bible. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. Let's just pause right there. So Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. What does all authority mean? All authority. If you have all authority over a company, you know what you have? All authority. You're the boss. So Jesus, just say this, Jesus was a boss. He's a boss. He, everything is his. He created everything. Right? He created everything. Your breath, your breath, that's a gift. He can take your breath whenever he wants. And he knew that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he knew where he would, his purpose for coming. But he knew, hey, I got a home where I'm going to. Now, this is important for you. Do you know that, have you secured your place at home with God? See, I know where I'm going. Something can happen to me right, something can happen to me right now, and guess what? I'm going home. And here I'm at home because God is with us. So he knew that he had come from God and he would return to God. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So the key. Take your key out of your pocket. The key to serving like Jesus is having the attitude which says, I'm not above anyone to serve him or her. Jesus used washing feet as a model for the disciples that day because the servant that washed the feet in that master's home and every home was the lowest of the servants. But how many of us wash feet nowadays? It's not, it's not common, amen? I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to do an application. It's not common. We, we don't have servants in our homes that wash feet. We usually go get a petty, right? I don't get many petties, but one of my sons does all the time. He just he loves it. My wife, they go get petties. And, you know. But here's the deal. What is the lowest thing that people do that you say, I would never do that? I would think about something that, 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 that people do maybe in your home. You say, I would never do that because I'm above that. What would Jesus do? He would do that. I would never go help that person because I know who they are. I would never go and, 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 and make myself available to this family. I would never do this. I would never go to the church. I would never be a greeter. I would never work in the South. I would never do that because 
would never do that. What would Jesus do? Come here. Amen. Jesus was teaching them a very important lesson. But he's teaching you a very important lesson too. To serve like Jesus, we have to put our tood aside. How many of you have a tood? I can have a tood. That flesh, it rises up. I can have a tood. Can, can I tell you, there's a battle that goes on in Pastor James's mind sometimes. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But can I, this is what the Lord speaks to me. You as a pastor here at Living Word Chapel, you should be the, at the front of the line serving people. Sometimes, sometimes people put uh, pastors on a pedestal. You know, pastor, 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 pastor. Can I tell you, please don't ever put me on a pedestal. I'm just like you. We're here to serve people. I'm here to serve you. In fact, that's what I'm called to do. How can I make your life better? How can I pray for you? How can I stand with you in the most difficult times of your life? Paul, Paul writing to the Philippians, this, is, this coincides with that attitude. Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. I know none of you have ever struggled with any of those three. First service, they struggle. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. There's intentionality with that. Amen? In other words, you've got to take a step to, to take an interest in others. You must have the same tood that Christ has. Let me read it. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. Jesus was their rabbi. He was their Lord, and yet he served them. So the attitude of I'm above that or them, it does not belong in the church. You ain't all that in a bag of chips. Jesus is all that in a bag of chips. And yet he served. Think about it, beloved. What, 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 what's keeping you from serving? Most of the time it's, 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 it's an attitude, you know, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again. He sat down and asked, do you understand what I am doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and, and, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. What he's, what he's saying right there is that you're not above anybody. Let, let me say this again. You need to hear this. You're not above anybody. Here, here's, here's the third motivator. 
because it really hits us. Jesus never made excuses. He never made excuses that would prevent him from serving others. How many of you have ever made an excuse? I'm, I'm too old. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too young. I don't know enough to serve. I'm not spiritual enough. How can excuses keep us from impacting people for God's glory? How, how does excuses keep the church from becoming what God intended it to be? Excuses are a dime a dozen. And there will always be an excuse that will stifle us from impacting our world by being the hands and feet of Jesus. There will always be something. So I think a good question for, for, for me, and you can use it for you, is what excuse am I making that's keeping me from serving the purposes of Jesus? What, what excuse am I making from serving my world? Do you think your neighborhood, your neighborhood would be better if you served your neighbors? I think that's absent in our society. It wasn't absent in my society growing up. It was very, there were very, people, neighbors were neighbors. What, what, what is keeping us from, from impacting our families, right? So excuses will alienate us from the true purpose of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And they have to see, they have to see that operating in our lives. Here's motivator number four. And this is a very important one. So once you get, once you deal with your excuses, you need to know that Jesus is our example of serving others. He said it. He said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. And what I love about Jesus, my Lord and my Savior, he, he never asked me to do anything that he, he doesn't do himself. When he asked us to get baptized, he got baptized himself. Amen? Though he was perfect, and though the apostle, I mean, I'm sorry, John the Baptist said to him, I should be baptized by you and yet you come to me. And Jesus said, do it to fulfill all righteousness because I'm going to identify myself with, with sinful man. Though I will never sin, I will identify myself with sinful man so that sinful man will follow my example. Amen? He, he's our example for, for trusting the Father when things are really bad. The Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Lord, if, if you're willing, Father, if you're willing, and he's praying and there's blood that's coming out of his pores, that's how, that's how stressful his, 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 his season was at that moment. And he's praying to the Father, he says, Father, if you're willing, he said, take this, this, this cup of suffering from me. And he's in agony. And then he says, not my will, but your will be done. And so he's my example that when, when things get tough, 
I trust the Father because he's faithful. Amen? He, he never calls me to do anything that he hasn't done before. So when he calls you to serve, it's not like he's saying as, as the king, which he is, saying, serve. I want you to serve. He says, follow my example. And if you do, it will change your life. The great author, uh, Charles Dickens, put it like this. He said, no one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. Because instead of being useless, you are useful. When you, when you take the burdens of someone else, you're actually taking the place of, of Christ in their life. Come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened. Right? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I give Jesus all my burdens. I, I, I take his because his burden is easy. His yoke, his burden is light, his yoke is easy. Amen? So, so as you serve, and I'm speaking this into you, I'm speaking life into you. As you serve, the burdens will be removed. When, you, when you, all you do is internalize your problems, I'm going to tell you something. Your, your problems become a lot more manageable when you see how bad other people have it. And if, if, if your life is always about you, oh, Lord, I just, I pity that life. If it's always about you, if it's always about how bad it is for you, so you've never served someone else because when you start serving other people, you say, you know what, thank you, Lord, for my life. Thank you, Lord, that, 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 that you're showing me that other people have it just as bad or worse. Amen? And here's your, here's your last motivator. And this is a good one. God will bless you when you serve others. In fact, it's more of a blessing to serve others for you than it is for them. You ever, you ever, maybe someone was hurting and you gave them something and you helped them and you gave it to them and you just walk away feeling better than you've ever felt before because you helped someone in distress? There's a blessing. See, there, there's, a, there's a threshold and you've got to cross that threshold. On this, on this side, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of, uh, you begin to, the devil starts working in your mind. I want you to look at the narrative. So Satan entered Judas. Judas wanted his way. Je Judas wanted Jesus to come and conquer Rome his way. But Jesus wasn't going to conquer Rome. Jesus came to conquer the world. He came to conquer sin and beat the devil. So Judas didn't grab a hold of that, so the devil worked on him. Amen? And he never crossed the threshold. He could not hear the words of Jesus. Instead, he left and betrayed him. You need to know that's happening in your mind right now. That the enemy will do whatever he can to internalize. On this side of the threshold saying, you know what, they got themselves into this place. It's their fault. It, it, it's, it's, my, it's my town's fault. It, it's, it's, it's this church's fault. It's all of these. It's their fault. I, I, I'm not going to cross that threshold. I'm telling you, the reason that the devil doesn't want you to cross the threshold, because when you do, 
there's a blessing. And it's God's blessing. And you'll never know God's blessing until you follow God's ways. You'll never know God's blessing doing your own thing. Jesus says, now, you, now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. I would never have known what a blessing it would be to be able to speak his life into people until I crossed the threshold and said, Lord, I'm going to trust you so I can speak into people's lives. It's not that I'm good at speaking. It's that I speak about a good God. First service, we had Javi there on the camera. I remember Javi walking in the doors of the church, and he was so like a deer in headlights, as all of us have been before we come to Jesus. And, and he just started taking steps of faith. You know, Javi doesn't have his family here. The majority of the time, it's him. He's a young man that gave his life to Jesus, got baptized, and you know what? He said, I'm going to hold on to Jesus. But the, the, the changes in his life are incredible. Why? Because he crossed over the threshold. First of all, to commit his life to Jesus, and secondly, to start serving Jesus. And the sky's the limit. There's a guy in the Copper Corridor. His name is Garrett Pittner. And Garrett Pittner is, there's, there's, uh, so there's extroverts, and then there's introverts, okay? Garrett Pittner is over here. Introvert. The pendulum has to stretch. But he, but he felt called to the ministry. He started taking Bible courses. And we prayed for him. Because I knew he was called. And this quiet guy that could not look up when he talked to people, he couldn't, couldn't even when he was talking to you, he could not look up. Now he's leading studies. He's leading services. He's preaching because of the hand of God on him. Why? Because, number one, he crossed over the threshold. And God met him there. So let me tell you, see, see there's some of you in here that, that the devil has stolen your ministry. Oh, I just feel in my spirit right now. The devil has stolen your ministry. He's stolen. I mean, you, you used to go places for God. You used to do things for God. And now the whole, your whole focus is on you. Your whole focus is on you. Oh, my life is so bad. I can't do it. I failed and all these things. God is not telling you that. That's the voice of the devil. God is calling you and saying, trust me. If you go, I will go. If you take a step, I'll take a step. If you talk, I'll talk. If you move, I'll move. So where do you start? Where do you start? Start somewhere. Start saying, start by this, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to get baptized. Those are very important steps, amen? Because the Bible says that when you, die, when, you, when you get baptized, that it represents that you've died with Christ and you're raised to new life. So that old you is dead. Hear me, hear me, this is important. That old you is dead. That unfaithful, that, that, that fearful, that, that uh, 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 doubtful, all those, all those attributes, they're dead. Now you are faithful in him because he's faithful. 
Now you're courageous in him because he's courageous. Now you're strong in him. You're not weak anymore. You're strong in him. Why? Because he's strong. And so you begin to walk this out, and then you begin to serve someplace. That's what I'm telling you. Service is so important. Every person should be serving. Now, when you first come through the doors, you're not going to serve. You're going you're to let God speak into you, and he's going to begin to speak into you. Just like right now, he's speaking right into your heart. He's speaking right into your life. But once you receive that, beloved, it's time for you to start moving. There should never be anyone that sits on the pews. That, that should give you some, some insight. Pews. There should never be someone that sits on the pews every week for 10, 15 years. What do you do? You start serving. Where do you serve? You start greeting. Why is greeting a great place? Because that's a smile that someone has not had all week. That's a handshake that someone has not had all week. You start maybe serving in the cafe. You know, Jesus and coffee go together. I mean, it's, it's biblical. He brews. <laughs> you work in the cafe. You work with, with in the kid zone. You... You, you, you serve in, in, in the security team. You know that, that right now I feel very, very good because I know Jesus has my back, but we also have a security team. If somebody comes, they might, they might take me, but they're not going to take all of you. I'll take it for the team. We have a security. You could serve on the security team. You could serve with the, with the, with the youth. You could, you could serve in, 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 in the media. You know, you, our, our media, we have like 4,000 people that, that see this, this, these podcasts, these video casts uh, every month. And that's because of the grace of God. But you could serve there. You could serve, you know, with, uh, with uh, uh, sound, the lights. Uh, wherever God has gifted you, you can serve. As last week I talked about the praise team. If you're gifted in musically, use it. Do not let the devil take it from you anymore. Don't let the devil take it. Don't give it to him. Amen. And then you just allow the Lord to, to direct you as you go. So I'm done. How many of you are ready for lunch? But before we, before we close, I want, to, uh, I want to pray a prayer. And this is a prayer of, uh, of, of you maybe to cross the threshold and, uh, and let Jesus begin to move in your life. Okay? So, so maybe you've been complacent. Just raise your hand if you feel like you've been complacent in your walk and just... Say, Lord, I'm ready. If you're ready, you raise your hand. Say, I'm ready for wherever you're going to take me. All right, praise God. And if you're not raising your hand, I'm going to be praying for you, okay? So I'm ready for wherever you want to take me, Lord God. I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, by that authority that Christ has, I speak your purposes into those that raise their hands. Lord God, what the devil has tried to do in stealing your purpose in their life, Today it stops. I plead the blood of Jesus over every person that is taking a stand to say, I want to serve Jesus. I want to walk in his purposes, Lord God. Empower them, protect them, guide them, lead them. And we will be careful to give you all glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
amen and amen. So as I close, as I walk down there, walk down to the end, remember that there are, there are these, these study guides. And they're, they're, they're intended to help you with a Bible study. You've got scripture, you've got questions, you've got points that have been drafted. I would love for everyone to take them. And if you can do it with your family, you can do it with your coworkers, you can do it in a small group, you can start a small group. And let me tell you, God will bless you if you do. Okay? Let's all stand and worship our King. Cross the blood, the empty tomb.